Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. All right, guys. So we are going to be in Matthew 25. If you would do me the favor of opening to Matthew 25, there is a lot going on in this verse or in this chapter, and we are going to be primarily in verse 31, but I really want to start a little bit before that. I want to pick up in the parable, in the story that Jesus is telling, right before verses 31 to the end. And so in the parable, in the story right before, he is talking about um, uh, the three wise and foolish servants. Three wise and foolish servants. So in this parable, you have a picture um, of two servants who are um, wise, who understand the heart of God, and we have a servant who does not. So we have two servants. All three are given money according to their capacity. And their master tells them to occupy until they come. Say occupy. Occupy until they come. Do until he comes. Do commerce, do trade, do whatever with the gifts, with the talents that they have been given. So he goes off on a long journey. He comes back. And two of those servants have doubled what they have been given. Each is given according to their capacity. And the first two double the gift, the talent that they've been given. And the last servant, that foolish servant, does not. The Bible says that he hides the talent, he hides the gift. And so when his master comes, he he says basically, so here's what you've given me, take it back. And so I always wonder why. Why would the servant do that? And the, the Bible tells us right here, it's pretty simple. It says in verse 24, that servant's reason says, I know you to be a hard man. And I wonder if that's not our world, that their understanding of God is as a hard man, a man that's stern, a man that's coming out to get them, a man that's looking for a reason to send people to hell, right? Acts of God, right? Disasters, floods, natural disasters, tragedies. That's how our world understands God. But we know the truth, correct? That as the heartbeat of the church of God, we know the truth. That you do not come and die for a people that you want to save, correct? You want to, you come and die, excuse me, you come and die for a people who you love. You don't come and die for a people that you want to condemn to hell. We know in John three sixteen, which we all know God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The verse right after in verse 17, John three seventeen says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. So that is our God. Now, this is so important for where we're going because we have to realize as we move into the last bit of this chapter who Jesus is speaking to. So here we go. We're going to pick up together Matthew 25, 31, and it sounds like this. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Say glorious throne. He will sit on his glorious throne, guys. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And guys, this is so important. But when, someone say, but when, but when. So what I'm hoping we can understand is that in the verses beforehand, right, that God is illustrating that, that the, the foolish servant, that's not you. Amen. The person who receives talents from God and hides them under a bushel, that's not you. Because we now have, but when, say but when, 
But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. So church, our but when, we have the intervention in this chapter. We have a, we have a, a dividing line. That the foolish servant has been thrown out into utter darkness. But when Jesus comes for you, he is bringing you as his sheep to sit on his right hand. Amen? That you belong to Jesus. Who's getting that with me? That you belong to the Father. That you are not a goat. You would not hide your talent. You have not rejected our Savior, but that as a sheep, you hear his voice and you follow. Amen? And so I need someone to get excited about that because where we're about to go is letting us know that we are not about to hear requirements from our Father. We're about to understand who we are. Our identity is as, as sons and of daughters of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not about to hear this is what you have to do to get into heaven. But because you are saved, because you are a sheep, because you've been made righteous by Jesus Christ, this is who you are. This is your identity. And you are going to walk out the thing that God has already walked out, has already worked in you. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm getting excited, you guys. I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. Okay. <clears throat> so here we are. We're, going, we're picking up again in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, the extent that you did this to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. I was having dinner with Pastor Bill Pelletier last night, and he said something just so powerful. In that last statement, you did it to me, not with me, not for me, that Jesus himself is the recipient of that action, right? And so we are seeing Jesus identify himself as the least of these. So I'm saying if you're looking for Jesus, you might want to start with the least of these. If you're looking for where your savior dwells, it's with the least of these. It's with the person in prison. It's with the sick. It's with the person who has been cast out from society. If you're looking to find him, he is with the least of these. And remember church, that was us. So we're going to, we are going to get there. And, and so that's number one. Number two, something so powerful in that passage to me is that church, this is our nature right? Who knows they've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus? Who knows that? That their salvation is not dependent on what they do, but what Jesus did. Who knows that? That they are perfectly accepted, not on their good days, and then rejected or shunned on their bad. Who knows that they have been perfectly made righteous in Jesus Christ? Who knows that? All right, so hear this. The righteous say, that's you, church. The righteous say, Lord, when did we see you? Which means, This is just their everyday life. They're not, you know, on the soup kitchen line at New Horizons like, Jesus, do you see this? Do you see me? I'm giving out food, Lord. Giving food. Do you see it? Do you see it? They're They're not trying to earn brownie points with their Savior. They are living out the expression of who they are. They can't help themselves but to do this. 
This isn't something anyone's forcing them to do. It is the outpouring of the love of the Father in their hearts, right? And so they weren't even trying to do a good thing. This was their normal. This was their regular, all right? And so as children of the living God, our nature, church, our our DNA, it's coded in us, is to physically extend God's grace into the needs of those around us. That's just who we are. Church, we can't help it. We can't help it. Now, I want to go back to Matthew 25, 40, and it says the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Now, I want, some, I want to get something really clear in our time together, that there is no least in the eyes of God. In fact, the Bible talks over and over and over again how the least will become the great, that the least on earth is is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus is saying the least of these, he's not talking about, you know, a, a, a hierarchy in terms of his love or in terms of his, he is talking about those who the world is calling the least, the people who have been forgotten, the people who are on the outskirts, that when you see with the eyes of God, the value, the strength, the, the God in them, the Holy Spirit just waiting to break forth in that person. When you are ministering to that person in that place, you are ministering, you are tangibly working with the Holy Spirit. And you are, you are creating a new thing. You are creating a new person. And you're creating a new identity in that one who's been forgotten, who thinks that the, the, the odds are against them, that their chips are up, and that there's no hope. That you yourself get to be part of that. And... <laughs> And I would say as well that just how we are equally raised with Jesus, right? We before him were all deserving of punishment. Again, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done. And so I would say since Jesus was not ashamed to call us brothers or sisters, we can't be ashamed to call all mankind, any person, any woman, any child, any man, our brother and our sister, and then minister out of that place of kinship. Not, I'm trying to do for you because I'm better than you, but I am you. We are family. And that's the posture by which I minister, right? So, <laughs> so I, I know it's really easy um, for us who have been blessed with so much that out of our giving, it's almost like we can forget to see the person, right? And so I feel like um, um, when we identify with the least, when that becomes us, their struggle is my struggle. Their pain is my pain. It's like I'm ministering to myself. Like it's, it's not me going and trying to do something new. It's, it's that I'm bringing in and, and creating the bonds of unity and friendship with people who have been forgotten, and I, I just have to mention, because I am honored and privileged to be able to do this, I, I work with an organization in Concord called New American Africans. They're a post-resettlement um, organization that works with refugees specifically in the area. And I see Jesse Morenzi and his wife, Desiree, in the crowd. Do you mind if we honor them really quick? Can we give them just a quick little round of applause? And I'm going to do that. Because Jesse doesn't know this, but he's part of my testimony. When I was finishing up school at UNH, and I had no idea what I was going to do or where I was going to go, it was him who said, my dad has started a nonprofit. Maybe you should just go and help out. 
And it's from there that I'm standing before you here, right? And so I have to honor him and his wife and just how incredible, incredibly their family has ministered to me. They saw me as the least of these, right? They saw me not knowing where to go or what to do or how to accomplish the next phase of my life, and they invested in me. And so that's what I'm encouraging us as children of the Most High God who already have that as our nature, as our passion, as our desire to do that in the lives of others. And I also have to make sure you know that's that's the organization I get to work with, but be careful who you're calling a least of these, okay? Like these are individuals who are going to change the world. There are young people in our, in our youth program right now who will change the face of the nation, I guarantee it. There is limitless potential there, and it's there for us to call out, church, that we have been given the responsibility to call out what we see in other people, regardless of what the world says or what other people think is their potential, church. That is our responsibility because we see with the eyes of God. We see what the Holy Spirit sees, and there's just such an amazing, amazing opportunity for us, for us, church, in partnership with the Lord, for people who are coming for far from, far-flung places, for people who are right now in our communities and have been for generations in cycles of poverty, in other just in just difficult and extreme situations, it's our responsibility as the church, right, to do what Jesus is saying, to feed, to give a drink, to invite, to clothe, and to visit, not as a mandate put on us by God, but a heartful expression of his love in our hearts. Because church, we know that they are one radical encounter church. One radical encounter with the face of God. One radical encounter away from being priests and kings with God himself, just like we are. Amen? Don't we want that for the world? All right. And church, know this. We don't serve because we have to. I want you to hear that. We don't serve because we have to. Know this. God has many a person, many a people who will serve him and be obedient to him. He's got lots of people who will receive the blessing of obedience. It is our privilege to serve because we see what the Father is doing. We see what God is doing. Do you know that in the book of John, in the gospel of John, he records that at the Last Supper, Jesus, I want you to picture this, got up from his food, took off his outer clothes, wrapped a servant sash around himself, bent down, the God of heaven bent down and washed the feet of his disciples. He did that in the gospel. Fast forward to Revelations, that same apostle John sees a vision of Jesus glorified in heaven and describes him as having a golden sash, a golden servant sash around his chest. Do you know that before he died, after he died, he's serving you? Before, someone did not get that. Before he died, after he died, he's serving you. The king of heaven is serving you. Do you? First of all, just imagine your value in the economy of God, right? That the God of heaven is bending down right now to minister to that disease or that sickness in your body, to minister to that financial situation you're going through, to minister to the relationship that's broken in your family. The king of heaven with a servant sash is bending down to wash your feet and to serve you. That's what he's doing right now. So how can we not do what we see our father doing? 
right? Just like Jesus says, I do nothing that I don't see the father do. That's us church. We get to do, we have the privilege, we have the opportunity. We have the incredible calling to do what we see our father doing. And church, (laughs) not as a those people, but as an us people. Do you know the only difference, the Lord spoke this to me this morning, the only difference between the least of these and those who are not the least is Jesus. That I don't care how much money someone has. I don't care how much privilege. I don't care where they think they are. If you don't have Jesus, you're the least of these. You're the least of these. And because we know that, we get to minister to every person at the point of their need, which is Jesus. I don't have to have anything else. I don't need anything else. I don't need it. I can't say that it's not because I have enough money or time. I don't need anything else but Jesus. That's all I need to be able to minister to a person at the point of their need. And then finally, <laughs> so looking at the time, um, uh, finally, church, how do we get to serve? I want you to ask yourself, what position, how did Jesus serve? How did he wash his disciples' feet? Did he do it with this attitude of like, oh, those, you know, very dirty and unfortunate disciples. Those poor, sad, unfortunate disciples. Here, let me wash your feet. No, church. He brought dignity into their situation. He elevated them. He gave them status when he bent down and washed their feet. And so I'm asking that, and, I, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm proposing to you that the person in need, the person that we have the opportunity to serve, needs your friendship as much as they need your stuff. They need relationship with you as much, if not more, than they need whatever it is you have to give. Whatever physical thing. Now, granted, I'm not just saying, you know, absolutely, and Jesus says it, to do the tangible, to give the tangible meal, to provide the tangible clothing, but know that it's relationship that's changing their lives. Not the food, not the clothing. It's relationship. So we're excited in this upcoming year to be able to start partnering with families in in the new American community and, and us as what we'd call receiving community members to enter into relationships of mutual respect and friendship, to adopt each other, to meet a few times a year and to share a meal and to engage in each other's lives and to understand each other. We hope as a church to provide more of those opportunities throughout the year as well. But, but what I need all of us, myself included, I am preaching to myself. What I need us to understand that we have been given not the mandate. Even one of the slides says responsibility, and maybe that's not the right, wor- right word. We have the opportunity. We have the privilege. We have with the heartbeat of heaven inside of us. We have just the desire that we can't shake. We can't get away from. We, we have the ability, church, to feed, to give drink, to invite, to clothe, and to visit. I want you to see yourselves right now in your mind's eye doing that. Me as the church of Jesus Christ is the extension of heaven on earth, operating in his power. I am feeding, I am giving drink, I am inviting, I am clothing, I am visiting. And we know as relationship between each other grows, we are feeding with the truth of God's word. We know that we are giving drink and refreshing through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and his living water. We are inviting people into deeper relationship with Jesus Christ and to be part of a church family. We are clothing people's brokenness and shame with the righteousness that Jesus died to give each one of us as a free 
gift. Who received the robe of righteousness, clothing their brokenness as a shame and shame as a free gift? I received that. I received the righteousness of Jesus Christ, clothing my brokenness and my shame, and I now get to extend that to others. And church, we get to visit. We get to continue nurturing the relationships that Jesus is forging between us. And know, church, that just like we're extending that, we're receiving that. That just as we are doing that, we're operating in that power in somebody else's lives. We are opening the door for the Holy Spirit to himself and to use others to do that exact same thing in our lives. I know that I need all of those things, church. And so I would invite you to let God in, to open that door, to let him um, extend exactly what he empowers you to give to minister that exact same thing to yourself as well. And no church that we are serving out of a position of love. Knowing, like that woman in Luke 13, who the Bible calls a great sinner, who came to Jesus and anointed his feet with perfume and washed them with her tears. That we, if we have been forgiven much, we love much. If we know that we were the least of these, if we know that we were taken out of our nakedness, out of our brokenness, out of our shame, out of our hunger, our thirst, if we know that that happened to us, how can we not? right? How can we not then do that to the people that Jesus has brought to us, to the people that we now get to be and join hands with and to support and help and to cherish church? We get to cherish them. And so I am, I'm, I'm so, I'm just, I'm, I'm seeing in my spirit just that them are us, that there's no those, there's no them, it is us. That as we are coming together as a church and as we are ministering, that we are building the family of God. Amen. Who wants to build the family of God with me? Come on. (laughs) So as we close to pray, I just hope that this encourages each one of you to really understand your identity in Jesus Christ. That this isn't something that is being sourced outside of you. This is living inside of you. If you're listening to me speak and going, where am I going to find that? The Lord will minister it. I ask the Lord daily to enlarge my heart, enlarge my heart for the people, God, that you have called me to, not as I'm going to for, but as I support and work with, because that was me. And that you are a giver and a servant with him. And as his sheep, you hear his voice. I believe that, church. You hear his voice. You answer his call. And you do what you see the Father doing tangibly, ministering to others in need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We know that that was a marathon, God. But that you are the one who are providing seed, water, and increase. So, God, we, we, we don't look to ourselves. We look off of ourselves. Jesus, and we look to you. We rest in your waiting arms to minister out what you've already ministered in, to work out what you've already provided. Not something that we have to conjure up, Father, but something that you already desire so greatly for us to do and have provided in your grace the ability and the opportunity. Jesus, thank you that our identity in you is as sheep, not servants who don't hear your voice, who don't do what you say, but that we already know ourselves to be children, sheep who hear your voice and do what we see you doing. Lord Jesus, it is a privilege to serve, knowing that we're following the great servant, the one who served first, our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you, Father. And in your awesome name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. 
you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 